welcome back, everybody. It's time for one of our favorite shows this week with Wendy. The only show that shows you the real talk about the SoCal estate of mind. With Wendy Ross, who after decades of working at real estate brokerages in Silicon Valley in Orange County, decided it was time to create something different, and so she did. That's when Veracity Real Estate entered the market. Because the time was right for renewed commitment to bespoke client advocacy at all price levels. Something you don't see in high-cost markets like Southern California. And through it all, she's built a company of data-driven real estate investment advisors. People who see themselves not just somebody to sell you something, but to tell you the truth. Truth seekers and truth tellers. And truth be told, I can't wait to hear who she brings on each and every week here. So today, I think we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to talk to the audience this week here. How about that? Right? It's about time. Yeah, exactly. I love this idea. We get so many questions and have had so many questions since this show started. People send in questions. They email us questions. Well, mostly they email. They don't actually send stuff anymore. I love the idea when they send stuff. But, but yeah. uh, Don't forget about social media, though. That's where we're media. getting the bulk of our questions. It yeah, is. exactly. So I said, why not take a, take a breather and answer some of these questions? Because I think people are more confused, more frightened, more uncertain of where this is going. Can this roller coaster ride last forever? Or is there a crash headed? Yeah, I know you keep saying no, but boy, people are wondering where this is headed. So today, we bring in Kara and and uh, Wendy to uh, give you some answers. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing is that this uh, this crying out for um, information is because people are now understanding that I bring a perspective. Um, and market analysis they can't find anywhere else. And so now they're actually reaching out and looking for this information. Amen, because nobody's mm-hmm. answering any of these questions. Mm-hmm. They all shrug and go, I don't know. Or they read the latest national headlines and, and spout that off as if it's relevant. And in some, some cases it is, in some cases it's not. And, but it's like a broken clock. It's it's right twice a day. So yeah, right. It's not only the national headlines that Wendy is localizing, is that as Wendy is explaining how she does business and views her little corner of the world, we're also getting some really interesting questions over social media of Mm -hmm. my broker did this or Mm. i saw a real estate agent in my neighborhood doing this right i heard you say that was bad why is that bad again we really need to do an episode just on that yes just on you know, real estate practices. Because I hate to right. say it, and maybe I'm, maybe this is just my perspective, but this, when times are good, there's a million people who flood into the market who have five minutes experience, and they may not know what they're doing. Yeah. You think? Yeah. When's yeah. the last time you studied for five minutes and knew what oh, you were doing? And I can't tell you. Well, you know, we know the people in my family. I've, I've passed them on to you saying, well, I know some of my cousin or somebody who's right. been selling real estate for three months. I'll just give it to them. Yeah, and I'm happy to actually have their, their cousin work with me so they can get trained properly happy to do it happy to share but please don't let someone wing it when they don't have the experience they need a mentor for the biggest investment in your life you're mm-hmm. not just selling my used bike in the shop here in the garage huh? right well you know and and to bring it full circle you know because we talk about this a lot offline paul and certainly karen knows that part of the reason that we're able to bring all this depth and breadth of experience it's not just mine i mean i've been in this for decades yeah. now but i also surround myself with other experts because i know i don't know everything so i do consult with local economists i i talk to other vendors and reps i talk to other brokers that are in that service neighborhoods I don't to make sure that we get a full picture of the complexity of this market from all sides. And the complexity of market is so complex because of the shifting nature. 
mm-hmm. know, a couple months ago, you were talking about there's no way that the housing market is going to crash based on available data right now. Mm-hmm. Your position still hasn't changed, but you are continuing to talk to economists as we're getting more and more intel out about what the global economy is doing, what America is doing post-pandemic, mm-hmm. and that could shift your perspective. Yeah, it's been in my it's been my experience in the past several decades that when things happen in the market like interest rates hikes um, global political you know disruptions that the market doesn't respond the same every time you know and people talk about the inverted yield curve which gets you know way into a more financial area than I'm comfortable with but they talk about how an inverted yield curve sometimes causes recession and sometimes it doesn't you know so we can't just assume that that one hat's going to serve all it's just not so that's why we bring other experts and all I can say is thank you for listening and thank you for bringing us the questions. And today, of course, to help service me being, you know, and everything, I've brought Kara back, Kara Stewart. And as we've said before, she's a fellow female entrepreneur, which I love, a former reporter, so she's great at grilling me. You'll love this. And, of course, she's a chief contributor here at OC Talk Radio, so she's here with many other clients. But she's also, most importantly to me, the chief brand officer for my company, Veracity Real Estate. So thanks, Kara. One of my most cherished roles. And because of that, though, like Paul, Paul and I get to see and uh, receive and experience all the listener feedback. He gets the emails into OC Talk Radio. We have emails coming into our website and cer- certainly all of our social media channels. Mm-hmm. So today, after you do your regular This Week in Wendy and a look at what happened in last week's Orange County Economy Real Estate, we're going to be diving into some of these questions. Yep. Okay. So having said that, here we go. Um, last week, I was happy to see that we had 491 new listings come on the market. That was an increase of 6.5% over the prior week. Not a massive increase, but at this point, I'll take whatever I can get. And remember, given historic standards, we really should be seeing 1,000 to 1,500 new listings come on the market every week. So we need more, but this is a step in the right direction. 536 of them went into escrow, which was down 6.8% over the week prior. And really, it's because we just didn't have enough homes to put into escrow. You know, they're still selling in seven days. Um, We sold 531 of them last week. That was down 8.6%. But again, this is not buyer disinterest. There was nothing to buy. They couldn't put them in escrow, so they couldn't come out of escrow. There just, there isn't enough out there. Um, Our median list price is holding pretty strong. It wobbled a little. It went from 1.1 million to a million 80 for the county. So it was down less than 2%, which pretty much is still stable. Um, And this, I think, is the most telling indicator that we have that we measure every week. What was our closed price versus a list price relationship? Did they they sell for less or more? And we were still at 108%. So they're still selling 8% of our list price. And believe you me, sellers are not reducing their asking prices. Not yet, anyway. Not in Orange County. So that was down 2%, but I don't think it's very telling. All in all, this last week was fairly flat, and I likened it on social media to a surfer out there on his surfboard just waiting for a wave to come. Little tiny waves came, but nothing very exciting. Swells. Swells, but no tsunami. But you know what? We saw, we listened to, so Wendy and I did something, Paul, this morning that usually doesn't happen in Southern California. We carpooled. That's right. (laughs) Wow. And there's a change. There's a change. And because of that, we actually heard a um, a, a fellow realtor here in Orange County advertising on... Yeah, Tarek El Moussa, Mm -hmm. you know, from... Yeah. Yeah, the reality show guy, you know. He was advertising? Tarek and Christina had, had... Well, 
still have, I don't know if they've wrapped it yet, but one of the most famous home flipping shows, right? Yeah. And he actually spent the money on a radio campaign saying, if you have a house you want to sell, call me, I'll buy it. Wow. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? There's on nothing KLOS, to buy. KLOS, right? It was on KLOS. Yeah. That could not have been cheap advertising. So no. go, Tarek. I, I admire your investment in the process, but what an indicator that was. People. All of you who are out there looking for a property to buy, all of you who email me saying, hey, I've got a cash buyer, yeah, no, got nothing for you. So should we put out the same uh, call here? Anybody got a house to sell? Call uh, Wendy here? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'll borrow the same lines. If you received a house via inheritance, you're not Mm -hmm. sure what to do with it, you have an investment property, you're tired of managing it, you simply want to be able to move to another state, have a change in life. Call if it's Wendy. run down, it's not habitable, so it needs to be brought to habitable condition. I used to own a construction company. I don't think I advertise that enough. I don't think you do. I did. I, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really good at rehabs, so haven't made it my main line because I've been busy running my company. But yeah, this is not rocket science. When you've done this for as long as I have, none of those issues are a problem. Yeah, probate, divorce, call me. Well, I, can I jump in and give you a question that I got, which yeah. is exactly what you were talking about? Yes. Uh, somebody named Elaine in Long Beach uh, sent us an email after one of your shows and said, home buying and selling usually picks up in late spring through summer. We all know that. <laughs> is it going to happen again this year? Is this yeah. the time everybody's going to let loose and sell their homes? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I wanted to say, um, no, it, it doesn't pick up in spring and summer, but that's actually not true. When I look at the trend analysis, um, the number of homes that come onto the market and the number of the homes that sell um, does adjust seasonally in a fairly predictable manner. I mean, historically, it's, it's like a bell curve, as most data is, right? You know, when you're studying any demographic, there's usually a bell curve. There's you know, Most is in the middle. So, yeah, January to December, fewer homes are on the market in the first few months, and then it swells up into spring and summer. We have more inventory, and then it starts to decline, fall into winter. And sales have followed pretty much the same pattern. The key difference, though, since COVID, Elaine, if you're listening, is that the bell curve is wobbly. The bell curve of active inventory looks a lot more like a slinky to going downstairs. Oh, slinky. slinky. The bell curve is a slinky. slinky. <laughs> so I know I've aged myself, yes. but Paul... The bell curve is a slinky. You, got you know what I'm there. talking about, right? So, yeah, it Can starts... I do it? Can I do it? Yeah. Slinky, slinky. <laughs> see? I, I See, I resonate. I'm relevant. <laughs> But yeah, Gen X. So perfect starting, toy for girls or boys. Yes, exactly. Oh God, I love you. <laughs> so so yeah, Elaine. Everyone the, loves a sling. Mm-hmm. The inventory starts <laughs> and it does pick up a little bit the first few months and it crests, but then it falls farther at the end of the year than it started. And then inventory picks up again the next year in January, and it rises a little bit, and it falls even farther than the year before. We have had this declining bell curve for three years now. However, sales haven't followed the decline trend. Sales have been really consistent. They've picked up in spring, they've peaked in summer, they've sort of plateaued because there just wasn't enough inventory for them to peak anymore, and they tapered off at the end of the year. Normally, what we would see is a larger bell curve for the active inventory and a smaller bell curve under it of the sales. The lines didn't cross. We're getting really close to the number of sales actually equaling the number of homes on the market. That's historic. And when those lines cross, if those lines cross, we're in for at least another year of this. I don't care what's happening around us. You call it a bubble if you want to, but there's so much consumption of the inventory that the, the demand is solidly clearly there. So 
Elaine, the answer is sort of. Wow. Mm. And like a slinky, it can either speed up as it goes down the stairs or eventually it starts to stop and slow down. It just depends on the uh, the momentum behind it here. Dang, that was a good analogy. Although sometimes, <laughs> remember, slinkies would get out of control and yeah. then <laughs> it would be sure. like a jack-in-the-box all over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So one of my favorite quotes was from about five or six years ago, um, Dr. Mira Farka. Uh, yes. She's also an economist, and she said that we were. Um, We've had her on the show several times. <gasps> I want her. We on can my get her. Show. We can get her. Yeah, I'm I a fan girl. Her. So she was talking about the market that was twerking towards a lesser abnormal. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line. All right, she wins. Ever. Yeah. Twerking towards a lesser abnormal. Doctor Farga, if you're listening, I love you. We're still twerking. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So given that we have a seasonal, perhaps unseasonal approach coming up mm-hmm. regardless we have this issue with not enough inventory buyers you've defined that very well mm-hmm. what is it that a potential buyer should be doing right now to prepare for the upcoming season mm-hmm. and what should a seller be doing let's take buyers first buyers need to get pre-approved financing if they don't have cash in hand now and they need to make sure that they maintain the approval. Approvals are like bread, it gets stale. So stay in touch, make friends with your lending professional and give them information that they need constantly because you have to have a fresh approval every time you write an offer and listings come on the market so suddenly and they go so quickly, you need to be ready to leap into action. And you need to be ready to leap into action now, like yesterday. And I have been saying this for a year. And the clients of mine that took my advice and they bought something last year consistently are thanking me. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I listened to you. I, I got one that texted me just a few days ago saying, we are so grateful when we look at how much our home has increased in value, we couldn't have afforded it this year. Thank you for getting us into this home. And I'm telling you people, I'm saying the same thing now because you're gonna say the same thing next year. You are. Interest rates are going up. They're not going to come back down. And if they do, not substantially, and prices aren't going to crash. If you wait, you will be possibly stuck. All right. What's the flip side of that then? So for sellers? For sellers. Okay. Kind of the same. I mean, people keep talking about this max exodus. People are selling their homes and leaving the state. I have now had three in the last three years. So the vast majority of my sellers, they're selling and they're rebuying something that's more appropriate here locally. So they really have to deal with the buyer question as well. You know, they have to get their financing in order. They cannot write an offer to buy a house saying, I'll buy this, but I got to sell that one. No. You need to talk to a sophisticated lender that will get you bridge financing so you can go in without that contingency or you will not get that purchase. You just won't. So, yeah, they they need to hurry. And any seller who thinks, okay, well, interest rates are going up. I'm going to sell now while it's high. I think prices are going to go down. I'm just going to go rent something. That's folly. That is folly. And I say this because, A, I'm a market analyst and I'm a nerd and I still have all of my files and all my reports I kept from 2008 to 2013 when lease rates skyrocketed while home prices fell. Mm -hmm. Landlords are not stupid. They know you lost your house and you have to live somewhere if you want to keep your job, right? So lease rates are continuing to trend up just as fast as as prices are, home prices. So the seller who thinks I'm going to sell now, rent, wait it out, and buy later is a fool. And recall, you talked about Orange County rental prices last year Mm -hmm. increased also at a historic rate, which was Mm -hmm. not good for anyone and our housing crisis. Right. And again, people who are, you know, recessionists and, and, 
um, chicken littles, the sky is falling, the market is crashing. Okay, yeah, every time we have recessionary talk and instability in the stock market, what do they do? They buy dirt. They buy real estate. And that's what we're seeing. Studies are now showing 18 to 20% of buyers. Again, it's according to a major real estate brokerage that studied this data, so maybe they're right. I don't know. But they're saying 18 to 20% of buyers in Southern California are investors, small and large. So if a small investor... Can I jump in on that one and maybe throw your curveball here? Yeah. So we had uh, somebody on another show, one of our... um, uh, a show about uh, alternative investments. Mm-hmm. And normally they don't talk about real estate as an alternative investment. They talk about, I don't know, uh, different kinds of corporations and hedge fund type of things and other sorts of things other than stocks and bonds. Mm-hmm. And this time they talked about that with the wobbly stock market, with the declining stock market, Mm -hmm. there is no place else to get a return. It isn't that they want to buy real estate. They don't know where else to put the money but real estate. Thank you for making my point. Yeah. So anyone who's out there saying, I'm going to wait till the competition dies down in this particular market economy, that's foolish. And I'm not just trying to get your money. Trust me, I have told people in different market cycles, wait. Sit over there, take a rental for a year. I promise you, you'll thank me for it. And they did. You know, this is not that market, people. It is not. It is not. It's not going to get better for a very, very long time. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. (laughs) We understand that point. But that brings up another question, though, that, Paul, you received about for first-time homebuyers, right? It does, and it was something that I was going to ask you about privately, but I'll ask you here publicly. I never heard of this. Apparently, California announced a program recently that will let first-time homebuyers borrow their down payment at 0% interest. Brendan from Costa Mesa th- mm-hmm. called in. I mm-hmm. think they were trying to uh, stump the band, as they used to say on the old Tonight <laughs> Show. Like, what do you know about this, you know? Hey there, sister. Uh, well, th- I have several opinions about this. Uh, so I never heard of this. Uh, so this this is a program. KTLA did a really good job. Um, I guess it was a slow news day. So they sensationalized the crap out of that. And good for them, because we really should be promoting government programs. That that's the thing about hidden money in government programs. They don't have the funding to promote it. So mm-hmm. go KTLA. Well done. However, this was one of many programs that have been issued for many, many years through Cal HFA. We kind of affectionately call it Cal HAFA. Um, and they have had many DAP programs. DAP is an acronym for Down Payment Assistance Programs, and this is one of them. And historically, many of these DAP programs are for first-time buyers or people with low income, usually the same thing. Um, and if you play by the rules, it will actually become, it will be forgiven after a period of time. So, so this, you borrow the money and they mm-hmm. forgive it? They let you borrow mm-hmm. down pay- it, If you occupy the home for five or more years, then they actually forgive it. But here's the caveat. Um, they're very murky when you go to the Calhafa website about, okay, what exactly are the rules for this? Well, it might be 0%. It might be more. Contact one of our short list of preferred lenders to give you information about this. You have to go to their captive audience of people to tell you what your circumstances will be. And in most cases, you have to buy homes that you qualify for with low to moderate income. And the net here is that in Orange County, 80% of the median income is the baseline they're using for this particular program where you can get 10% of money. You're making less than $70,000 a year. Your gross income after you've paid your taxes because you're probably a W-2 employee is less than four grand a month. So after you eat and you put gas in your car and, 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 how much money do you have for a housing payment? 
And how much money could you possibly have saved for a down payment? So you don't have any money. So this 10% they're willing to give you, and God bless them, it's for anything. It can be for down payment. It can be for closing costs. And for this target person, it's going to have to be for both. So it's effectively a 5% down payment. So when you take a look at, and do they still qualify for the, the first loan that's not being forgiven? By the time they qualify for that, they are now qualified to buy a home for $350,000 in Orange County. I defy you to find one. So this program could be for perhaps parts of rural California, but do you see it getting much play here in Orange County? It just can't. It's well intended. It is well intended. Go Sacramento. Do better. You know, if you're going to have programs that you really want to promote home ownership in high cost areas, retool it for high cost flippant areas, you know, because it gives people this false sense of hope. Our phones ring. We have to be the bad guys to go, well, yeah, I can find you one or two homes. They're probably going to be condos and they're going to be in neighborhoods that might frighten you. Oh, and, and then here's the kicker. Many of these are finite pools of money, especially when it comes through CalHAFA. So it could be by the time you go and you apply for it and go through the requisite first-time homebuyer education, they're like, oh, sorry, that money's gone. It's not intended to be a bait and switch, but it feels like that to a lot of people. And this is a conversation we had a lot about 10 years ago. Well, are there any programs out there that um, people here in Orange County or that, that apply to other low-income buyers, first-time home buyers that we should be aware of? Not really. You know, because you always bump up against the same problem. With these governmentally um, regulated programs, they want to make sure that slumlords aren't putting 15 people in a house, and they, and they really want to safeguard the people to the point where it's not possible for this to happen. You know, they won't let you have, especially in that program, they won't allow more than one person per sleeping room plus one. And and the state standard is two people per sleeping room plus one. So they've actually made that worse. So the maximum income in this scenario for a family of four is 117000 For a family of four, for God's sake. I mean, seriously. And then they have to, and, and then they must buy a home with three or more rooms because the state won't let them have greater density in their own home. It's it's functionally impossible. I, I wish that I could say yes, and I have looked, um, and once or twice a decade, I have found a situation where for one of my clients, there was a property that they felt safe in, and they could qualify for, and the money didn't run out, but it's pretty rare. There are other housing programs that are a little bit more successful in Orange County, and these, again, tend to have finite sums of money, so it's buckets of money that have been allocated and earmarked for these purposes, and they fall under the category of inclusionary housing programs. The state of California has a mandate for inclusionary housing. Orange County has a countywide inclusionary housing program. Most of that, though, is for low-income people to find rentals. Cities on their own have also stepped up and said, okay, we're going to create an inclusionary housing program for home buyers, Um, and they've done a pretty good job of this. Um, the challenge there is that there aren't very many homes in it that get snarfed up really quickly, and they also have some of these income requirements. So in, in all cases, you're not going to be allowed to buy one of these um, inclusionary housing homes if you earn more than seventy-five dollars or $76,000 per year. And if you earn more than seventy, well, less than that, you're so poverty-stricken you couldn't afford the payment. Because you're also talking about some cities like Huntington Beach that aren't necessarily inexpensive to live in to begin with, right? Correct. In order to make a purchase in an inclusionary housing-approved home in Huntington Beach, you would have to have a sizable down payment. And bravo to those people who inherited some money or their families have given them some money because their income is low enough to qualify them to move in. 
the properties there, because Huntington Beach has done a very good job with this, so has Anaheim. Um, Santa Ana has done a fair job with it. You, you see a sprinkling around the county. Um, those are the people who get in, you know, and yay for the people who earn money through alternative means and haven't squandered it yet. Because that's really kind of what's required. You have to have a big enough down payment to get that loan small enough that you can get into the house and have a payment for which you still qualify under the program. Am I the only one that's shocked when you say $70,000, though, is like low income in a a county? I mean, there are an awful lot of people that don't make $70,000 here. If you're making $20 an hour and you're working 20 hours a week, that's... Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, you know. Well, part-time work wasn't wasn't meant to be a head of household income, mm-hmm. and that's why California has raised the minimum wage. So what you're looking at probably here is two people making fifteen dollars an hour working forty hours a week, and that brings them to seventy-ish thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two minimum wage earners. But well, we already know from last year's studies that a family of four, ostensibly two children and two mm-hmm. adults, would actually have to work two full-time jobs each in order to qualify and pay basic rent in Orange County. Right. Yeah. Because that's how expensive it's become to live here. And don't forget that the um, tax table has changed. I mean, people who earn between, like, I think it's forty six dollars and $70,000, no, for, I think it was forty six to 76000 in California, their minimum income tax is 9%. Wow. Right? So add that to 22 23% at the federal level. They're giving a third of their paycheck back in taxes. I mean, hopefully they have the kids for the write-offs and things, but until they have real estate, they don't have anything else to write off. They're W-2 employees. Non-reimbursable expenses are gone, people. We had tax reform. That's right. And it hurt these people the most. I think you should do a show on that someday, because I think that's really the shocking, you know, when you you break down those kinds of numbers mm-hmm. like that. And, and so if everybody has to make a quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars, combined or individual income mm-hmm. where does that leave all the other people who work at the stores who work at the mm-hmm. uh, drive throughs who mow your lawn who all the other whole service into people work mm-hmm. in the hotels work in the restaurants whatnot here where do they go you know i i have to say that there are some employers like in and out who have done a really, really good job with paying their employees a living wage and giving them benefits so my hat's off to her you know, she's done a brilliant job. And, and I hear Chick-fil-A is pretty good, too. So shockingly, some of these people who work in fast food places, to your point, are actually making eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 with seniority, mm-hmm. with tenure. They're getting something, a little something to put into retirement. So if they if they spend 10 years there, you know, and they're married, they might have a chance. Yeah. You're Maybe. talking about long-term tenure, yes. though, which isn't the reality. Yeah. You know, we were playing with some numbers before this um, show, but if you look just, you were mentioning, Wendy, if you looked at last week's median home price, you know, right. just slightly north of a million dollars. So what would that come out with? A typical buyer would have to put, what, $200,000 right. in liquid assets down? And show that they had cash left over to make three to six months worth of payments if they had, you know, a hiccup of some kind, right? And no credit card debt, probably. No student loan debt. Very n- little. No car payments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am the anomaly. I am such an old school person that I drive an old used car. You know, I like to pay cash for my depreciating assets. I'm just kind of funny that Me way. Me too. I, right? I just, yeah, I'm, I'm past the day. I got to drive the late. I, I have an older iPhone. I don't have to drive the latest car, all right. that kind of stuff. There was a time I had to, I thought. Yeah. But I don't have to anymore. But we're old money type people, but not everybody is. And not everybody can be. If you are struggling just to pay rent here in Orange County, then how can you go finance a car? 
it's an awful conundrum. I mean, how can you how can you afford to pay cash for a car? You can't. I mean, you have to finance. You probably don't have great credit. You're going to pay a higher interest rate for it. I mean, it's the the spiral into poverty is so real. It is so real, and our middle class is disappearing not because they're all getting pushed into the upper class, Paul. Yeah, no. They're going both directions, and it's really a travesty that we have seen coming for decades, and we, and I will include myself in this because I, you know, I'm part of the community, have not addressed it. No. Yeah. So I think you, a show on talking about some of the realities of some of this would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Can we take a quick break and just shout out one of your partners here today here? Sure. Take it away. You obviously know a lot of people and a lot of great strategic partners that come on the show all the time. And one of them is Ford and Diulio. Uh, it's an Orange County-based boutique litigation firm with experienced attorneys from the big law firms, a little firm with big law experience. Partners are founded, did so on the concept of aligned interests, where their success is directly related to your success, where they're rewarded for being efficient and effective and not just for dragging out the bills, where they engage in the relentless pursuit of their clients' goals, whether in litigation, mediation, or trial. If that's something missing in your life, if you're in the middle of a hassle and you don't know how to work your way out of it, talk to these folks. They might find a solution. Ford Diulio. Dot com, just like it sounds, F-O-R-D-D-I-U-L-I-O, FordDiulio.com. Well, I think that you really have opened up the doors and things. I'll tell you one that uh, struck me a lot, because mm. I'm in the age group, the 55-plus. Hey, I'm right there with you. And I got a lot of ton, ton of feedback in the station. I got a ton of feedback from my friends when we talked about that show on property taxes, because I didn't know that you could take your property tax whatever that's called. It's called that, a levy. A levy, that, that basis. I'm paying this low property tax on mm-hmm. a property I built long ago. Now I'm going to buy this new property at a much higher price. I assumed I had to pay the higher property tax on that higher property. No, no. And we just can't, we should talk about this every darn week. You can take that property tax bill with you. And the best thing that came out of Prop 19, because not everything was fabulous in that proposition, and we'll have another property tax conversation, but the best thing that came of it was that now you can take that base levy with you anywhere in the state. So if you want to move closer to family that's in Sacramento, take it with you. If you want to, if you want to move to the beach, if you want to buy a little beach condo that's worth you know, roughly the same as this big old house you don't need anymore, take it with you. Because that littler house is probably going to cost more than the original house you've been in for 20 Depending years. Depending on where it is, yeah. So if I sold my house that's on almost 8,000 square foot lot in Santa Ana, I could barely afford to buy a condo in Newport. But if I needed a smaller place without a yard to maintain that was single level, that had an elevator for me to get to my front door, that might make more sense when I'm 70. Yeah. You know, so that's what this is for. And we can all do it. Even those of us who are young and fabulous and 55, we can do this. (laughs) Right? And if you've had your house more than two or three years... You got equity. I think that would loosen up a lot of uh, sales in the county because people are assuming I got nowhere to go. Even if I can afford the bigger house or even just go into, even if I just flip it, I take my million and I roll it into a million dollar property somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Now I've, because it's a new sale, I got a new tax uh, basis here based on that million dollar house. What's even better, let's say that you sell your house for a million because it's in the suburb somewhere, right? And you want to move to a coastal property for a million five. Mm -hmm. Will you still take the small tax bill that you have for the equal value, so a million to a million, and there's only a smaller step up for the property tax for the next 500,000 above. And that's still a massive, massive savings. But you got to go one for one. I can't move downwards. I can't go to rural 
Northern California and pay 300000 It depends money. upon what your tax levy is. That just might not make sense for you. Right. You know, and the beautiful thing is you can do this three times. Three times. I can't Three just Three times. Mm-hmm. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. we got to listen to this show more carefully more often here. I, you, you're, you're, you're blowing my mind with yeah. all these things. Here. The, the only caveat to remember is you got to do it within two years. Mm. You know, so if you sell and in this market, I know it's hard to find the replacement property. You can't just sit out and rent and hold hold out for the big bargain. Not yeah. not for more than two years. So just make sure that you get your next sale recorded within 24 months. But Paul, you're so right. We've received so many questions about this topic of all the shows Wendy has hosted so far. This issue has drummed up the most um, controversy, the most pushback, the yeah. most, no, yeah. that's not correct. The wait, that's correct. We have to list right now. Then we had no idea. So we've actually decided to launch um, a couple of webinars around this topic as well. Beautiful. Um, so if you're listening, you'd like to be part of it. We will be sending out the invitations pretty quickly here on social media, on Wendy's website and, and other places. Um, if you're not already a subscriber to her newsletter, please do go to realveracity.com and then also um, follow Wendy at uh, Real Veracity Wendy or Amalta Lunas Carrot too and we can make sure that you're part of the upcoming webinar so you have all your questions answered and we can make sure that one you're taking advantage of this and two doing our little small part to hopefully free up some inventory here in Orange County. And something that I I want to add to that is it's going to be a great webinar. We're going to cover a lot of these things that blew Paul's mind. And when you attend the webinar, you're going to get the first invitation to our live event with Claude Parrish, the Orange County Assessor himself. Oh, that's cool. Nobody ever talks to this guy. He has agreed to do a lunch and learn. He did one for me a few years ago. He's agreed to come back and do it again very graciously. You can ask the man questions yourself. So literally straight from the horse's mouth. So it'll, it'll be fantastic. Only because they tune in today and listen to the show. Uh, I mean, I'll know they're the most interested. I don't know why this isn't more well-discussed or well-known. I think you've got a lot of people who are confused what to do Mm -hmm. next right And sadly, a lot of real estate professionals are confused about this. The training on on a day-to-day basis at the brokerage levels is not fabulous. And I know this because I've worked for many of them. And I did a lot of the training because it broke my heart that the new kids didn't know what was going on. Well, they're just churning them. They're throwing them in. They're assuming they got a few relatives who will give them a house to sell. And then if they don't make it, they go on to another group that they try and burn through. pretty much the reality. Well, let's also be honest about this. Not all realtors and real estate professionals are honest. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, some are trying. To, some are trying to pull fast ones across um, across the market, and uh, don't don't really have buyers and sellers' best interests in heart. And Wendy's performing the little bit of a Joan of Arc role here, and uh, really standing up for her people. Yeah. So you know that I, we're running out of time today, unfortunately, Paul. But you know, you and I have received so many questions um, that are asking Wendy about exposing bad habits and the inner working. So I think we have to have a, another show just on that. What do you think? Well, because that's a real, that would be very refreshing because, you know, for example, you don't have doctors come in and talk about, well, yeah, there's some problems within the medical industry. You don't have lawyers come in and say, well, yeah, we, everybody covers up for everybody else because I think somehow, you know, we can't do this professional courtesy. But I think in a day and age, I've seen this before in previous booms, suddenly everybody wants to sell real estate. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't sell real estate. Everybody can't know all that much. So whether they're trying to Mm -hmm. pull a scam or whether they're just 
not knowledgeable about this, you're not getting the best advice. Well, and I, it's something I only do a couple times in my life. Yeah. It's my most important right. asset. Why would I trust this to somebody who really doesn't know? And I, I really do believe that most real estate people, they want to do the right thing. They want to do what's best for their client. And they think that they're doing what's best for their client. And they unconsciously make missteps that are really, really grievous problems down the road. I mean, I'm being called into court again as an expert witness for someone who it was a professional flipper who there was a disclosure issue and they're suing their broker and their agent because they weren't given good advice. Mm-hmm. And when the, when the attorneys detailed for me the issue of the complaint, I was like, oh, dang it. They're right. They're right. And I can see how this happened and it's heartbreaking. The agent didn't know that it was their job to do differently. But and Wendy, was. I don't even need a broker. I can do it myself now, huh? Come on, right. I can go online and I just list it and somebody sure. puts a sign up and the sure. offer comes in and I take the money and run here. Well, Paul, now that fair housing laws and anti-discrimination laws trickle down to you, the home yeah. seller, yeah. if you accidentally say or do anything that could be construed as though you were biased against anyone or you did anything that violated those laws, you're not protected. Yeah, You will be sued. You yeah. will be held accountable. Ignorance of the law does not protect you. And when you've got three or four offers on the table and suddenly you say to the one, well, gee, I like them better Mm -hmm. because of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, but I feel sympathy for this one over that one. Mm -hmm. You're you're walking a fine, dangerous line here. You cannot disclose why you picked one or another. Just a few days ago, someone was telling Kara and I uh, about that, that they were aware of um, someone in their family sold their house to someone who offered a lower price, there was multiple buyer offers. They didn't go with the highest offer. They went with the one that had a family composition that pulled at their heartstrings and, and made them think of their own family. I'm right. like, you can't do that. Right. It's sad. It is sad as a private citizen. You cannot sell your property to whomever you please, but you can't. Housing laws exist to protect people. Whether or not you know we all agree with it, the laws are there. And they do apply to all of us. So. so who knows all this? Real real guys like you guys know it, but the rest of us don't know it. We just think we can sell this. See, the building's call, falling down around us. It We're is. shaking the foundation so much. I know Did we just fell. have an earthquake? Now my handbag fell. Oh, our oh, handbag fell. Just right. my handbag. <laughs> no cause I wouldn't have been surprised if we had an earthquake with this kind of That should be a show soon. <laughs> yeah, all right, please. Earthquakes and tsunamis. Yes. Wildfires. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you the other one that you could do someday that would really interest me. I know years ago they built some of these uh, houses on landfills, on uh, mm-hmm. on land that wasn't really stable. Sides can you of say hills. San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, well, I can think of a couple other. We'll talk offline. A couple other ones I know about. Uh, and, and some of them start with the word uh, Laguna. And uh, <laughs> there were places that people really were shocked. Their houses were sliding and moving. And when it went back, nobody had bothered to look how they built, where they built them, how they well, built them. Well, if your house is built on stilts, <laughs> you might want to think about it. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't buy it. But I'm saying, think about it. <laughs> don't be a cheap SOB. Hire a geological engineer. Pay a couple thousand dollars to make sure your house will not slide down the hill. Yeah, right. And get it properly insured. Amen. Oh. All the reason, all the more reason you got to get experts. And if you can't go get an expert, at least listen to an expert show like this, where we bring in other experts here. Why not? Or call in. We'll beat you up live and you know on the. Yeah, air. right. There you go. Happy to <laughs> do it. That'd be fun to do. <laughs> All right, we're down to the end here. Any last uh, ones you want to mention or get in there, or any things you want to tease coming up here? We got a webinar webinar coming up yeah. on that tax trend. 
type of thing I would love to sit in. We're still trying to work out my schedule because it's a little tight. So we're going to work on that. Um, Of course, June 25th is the Shea Center's big gala at the Montage Resort. There you go. You can still get tickets, but not for long. They always sell out. These are not inexpensive tickets because it is a fabulous event for a fabulous charity. And we've had them on our uh, public affairs show. They really do amazing work with uh, riders using horses as therapy. Horses for physical therapy, occupational therapy. Truly, many people, children um, who are nonverbal have their first words after this therapy. Many children who were parents were told they were never going to walk walk after this therapy. It is life-changing therapy. Shaycenter.org. Something magic happens between the horse and the rider. It's something. It is something. And if you want to go check it out, call me, text me, reach out to me. I will get you down there for a personal tour of the facility. It's amazing. Okay. That's well, all I got. you can't leave on a better note than that here. Kara, you got anything to, to share? I know you have 27 other questions you wanted to get answered here today. Here. That's okay. We're going to hold off for the next show. And uh, remember, follow Wendy. And this podcast is available wherever your favorite podcasts are. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for coming in again. 